Working remotely, where you are shouldn't dictate what you do. Work from the road by turning your vehicle into a reliable high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On the network that covers more roads than any other carrier, take your work on the road and AT&T will be there to keep you connected. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls, finish up that presentation, or answer last-minute emails. Why wait? Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi today for free trial eligibility. Based on independent third-party data, number of devices varies by manufacturer. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Running a business is no cakewalk, but with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. You can manage travel, expenses, and AP all on one platform that's packed with AI and best practices, and that delivers it all through an easy, clear, I can't believe how simple that is experience. So while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, with SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot com. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Get in touch with technology with Tech Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello again, everyone. Welcome to Tech Stuff. My name is Chris Paulette. I'm an editor at HowStuffWorks.com. Sitting across from me, as always, is senior writer Jonathan Strickland. Is life just a game where we make up the rules? As it turns out, yes. Yes, it is. We're going to talk about gamification today, which is kind of a, a buzzword right now. It's been a buzzword for a couple of years, particularly in the tech industry, but it extends beyond just the tech industry. Oh, yeah, yeah. This is uh, – it's funny because it's a, it's not really a tech topic in a way because uh, this is a this is a human engineering uh, or, uh, you know – Cognitive yeah. engineering sure, type thing. Sure. It's not. It's not so much uh, related to a specific type of technology, but I think in a lot of ways it can be traced back to technology. Yeah, basically, what gamification is, and you could probably figure it out just based on the word. It's applying game thinking and game mechanics to tasks in order to kind of create an an extra layer on top of those tasks. 
And there are a lot of different examples. In fact, we've talked about some of them already. We have indeed. Sure. Like, um, like geocaching. Mm-hmm. Geocaching, I would argue, is a kind of gamification. Yeah. You take a basic, uh, basic activity, which in, in geocaching, you could call it either hiking or if you wanted to, even exploring. Right. And then you add a game element on top of it. In this case, it might be things like the, you know, you, you have a set of coordinates and you follow it. And then when you get there, there's a little cache of, of goodies that's inside a, a box at that particular location. And then you get to take something and maybe you leave something behind as well. Mm-hmm. And that's the game element to it. And as you continue to geocache, you accumulate these little tokens or whatever and you leave your own pro- possibly personalized calling card behind at these various geocaches so that other people who are following, they may say, oh, hey, this guy, I've seen this guy's stuff before. This guy was at this other geocache before. I don't know who he is or or I don't know who she is, but I know that they always leave, you know, whatever, like a uh, a Smurf figurine, <laughs> you know? So that's that's a, an example of gamification. It's adding this element of gameplay on top of another activity. Yes. See, I, I, I blame Mary Poppins. Do she you? did say that. In every uh, job there must be done. There is an element of fun. You find the fun and snap. The job's a game. <laughs> well, actually, that was pretty wise because yeah. it's, it's everywhere these days. Yes. I mean, uh, it's easy to see, uh, in games, yeah. you know, and, and a lot of our listeners are very serious, uh, video play, video game players. Yes. Video play gamers. Um, but, Sometimes. Uh, <laughs> I would not put it past them. But yeah, all, all those achievements that you unlock. Yes. Um, you know, you unlock a new character in the game. You unlock a new scenario. You get a badge for running 50 missions. Yeah. That, all that stuff is gamification. And that's and it's weird to think of gamification on top of games, but it is adding another element. For example, and the purpose in technology generally tends to be one of two things. You're either trying to teach a concept and you're using gamification to entice people to learn about that concept by uh, by creating a, sort of a reward system, really, uh-huh. for them to participate. And the reward system keeps them going. And the other related uh, idea is engagement. Now, engagement is one of those terms you're going to hear a lot in technology companies. Engagement is this elusive thing everyone's going after. And that is not just attracting an audience, but keeping that audience and keeping them coming back to you and and to have them invested in your product over a long term. Because if someone just comes to you once and then they never come back, then you know you only benefit from that relationship the one time. Yes. So what you really want to do is you want to create an experience or a product that has people coming back to you over and over again. And uh, this can be hardware. It can be software. It can be a service. It can be an activity, like I said, with geocaching. Letterboxing is another great example. Letterboxing, again, is treasure hunting. Mm-hmm. And there's a whole range of game systems that are put on top of letterboxing that – that make it uh, really an engaging activity for people who get into it. And so gamification, it's its something that people have been doing for centuries. I mean, they've been throwing games on top of stuff for as long as there have been games, really. But it's only been in the last couple of years that that's kind of become a buzzword where people are concentrating on ways to create game elements on top of whatever it is they're offering in order to get that level of engagement they're looking for. Mm-hmm. 
Um, yeah, and there, there are all kinds of applications for this. I mean, um, some of you who have uh, mobile devices like to check in on things like uh, Gowalla or Foursquare, right? Or Scavenger, yep. If you like, and Scavenger. Well, yeah. Let's let's start with Foursquare and then move to Scavenger because Scavenger is kind of like a very specific twist on Foursquare. Well, it's funny because um, these these I don't know. They're really not technically games. No, but um, they're, they're badges that you can earn in Foursquare, for example. Yeah, that and and. Uh, that would be, I would say, the oldest of the three. Yeah. Uh, Foursquare, you know, once you account, create an account on Foursquare and you have a GPS-enabled phone, mm-hmm. um, basically you're asked to check in when, when you go to someplace. So, you know, I, you get to work. Um, you say, okay, I'm here at work. Um, and it will tell you, for example, how many of your, how many people are there and how many people, yeah. possibly who they are. Yeah. If you, if you're friends with them, it'll tell you if your friends are there. It may even tell you if your friends are nearby, if they're not like right where you are, but they're in the area, I might tell you that. It gives you an opportunity to share that on Facebook and Twitter. It gives you the opportunity over time to become the mayor of a location. So that's the first layer of gamification right there is becoming the mayor because then you have status. You have attached a status to this service. And status is really important to people. People like having high status. It's good to be the king. Yeah, it makes you feel important, right? I mean, it's it's, we all get this. Like, it it just... it feels good. So the mayor idea makes perfect sense. You, you know, it, you could argue, yeah, it's just, it just means that you have a smartphone and you've been here a lot. Yeah. That doesn't, well, <laughs> that's all it means. But you could say, yeah, but you know, I've achieved something. I am a mayor here. Mm-hmm. And then, then they have these badges that they have, uh, on Foursquare that you get, you, you earn these badges by checking into specific types of locations or perhaps the location you're checking into has a particular feature. Like, uh, there's one that if you've, you've checked into at least three places that have a photo booth, you get a a certain badge. Mm-hmm. Um, there are there are badges where if you check into a place that has a lot of other people, mm-hmm. they have swarm badges, and they have different levels of swarm. So the more people who are there, the the like uh, if you have like two hundred or five hundred or a thousand people, you'll get a different level of swarm badge for checking in. So if you guys want swarm badges, here's where you got to go. You have to go to either South by Southwest or CES, and I guarantee you. <laughs> Because that's where all the tech people are, and yeah. they all love to use these things. That's where you're gonna get the best chance to to really earn one of those badges. You can also earn them in other like really popular places, like say Disney World or Disneyland. Mm-hmm. Yeah, actually, that that's a good point. Uh, Goala has uh, a feature on it that allows you that where in which they have uh, certain tours where you collect. If you go to some place like uh, Disney World. Uh-huh. Um, you're supposed to, if you go to all the different places, they'll have like a subset of badges yeah. there. And it's sort of like a, can you collect all 12 of these locations? You know, see if you can check in at all these different spots. Um, and, and that, and can, that really can do that. Yeah. It really drives engagement. Like we said, like if Foursquare did not have the badges and did not have the mayor uh, element to it, yeah. then there'd be, I'm sure there'd be a significant drop off of the number of people who would use the service a couple times and then we'll just never come back to it. There would be a lot more of those people, right? Yeah. And there, there already are those people. It's not like we're saying that these things make you stay, but they, they are incentives for certain people to keep trying to use this, this, uh, um, service. I know as 
as mayor of How Stuff Works, as of the recording of this podcast, I get really, really cheesed off when Brian steals my mayorship. And it's gone <laughs> back and forth between the two of us at least five times already. That's impressive. Yeah, Brian and I, we tend to steal this. You know, I, I become mayor, then like a week later, he's the mayor, and then I'm the mayor again. And it, I mean, there is a there is a definite competitive element to no, you, you want to become the mayor. Like there's a there's a certain level of satisfaction of stealing the mayor from someone else. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, Goala also offers uh, something a little something that Foursquare doesn't that I think is kind of cool. Yeah. Um, the company that makes uh, Goala is called Alamo Fire. They're based in Texas, and they have a. Uh, they also, if you've ever played the Facebook collecting game Pack Rat, they also do that. They have some pretty cool art. And that's one of those things that's really neat because they come up with um, badges for certain locations, certain mm-hmm. stores and other places. So it's kind of fun to collect those stickers because they may be sort of unique. And you like geocaching, you drop and pick up items when you go places. You might, you know, if you go to a bookstore, you might get a typewriter or what they call a page turner, a book. Mm-hmm. Um, and it has a collector's number on there, number you know 1054. Um, so you know when they launched that particular item. And so cool. you, uh, that kind of keeps you going because you go, okay, well, I've gotten these things or, hey, look at that. They, they made a new one for, for this location. <laughs> um, you might say though, what's in this? Why would anybody do this? Well, companies, uh, these, these stores, for example, have realized that they can offer People using these services a little something extra. You might find if you're using Foursquare, uh, a coupon. Yeah. Uh, you know, they so, go to this hotel and tell us that you saw this special on Foursquare and we'll give you 10% off your stay. Yeah. We, um, I went to a restaurant at, uh, Universal, uh, the Universal Islands of Adventure properties. Yeah. And, um, they had it where if you showed that you checked in on Foursquare, that you would get a free cocktail. Interesting. A free Mai Tai. And, uh. Um, That's a problem for you. Yeah, I don't drink. Uh, for, for folks listening to the podcast, I'm not a drinker at all. So my wife got two Mai Tais. <laughs> and, uh, because she checked into Foursquare and I checked into Foursquare and my wife was very happy at the end of the dinner. She said it was the best dinner ever. <laughs> um, getting her out of the fountain was a bit of a challenge. <laughs> but, uh, no, I'm joking. I'm joking. Uh, I love you, Rebecca. Uh, yeah. Anyway, so, um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, the, 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 so there's, there's this element of tempting people to come into places by having this, this special deal, right? Yeah. That's one way you can, you, you as a, uh, as a vendor, as a, as a retail operator or restaurant operator, that's one way you would, you might want to leverage these services or the, this gamification is that it's a way to lure people into your, your place. Uh, scavenger, like you were saying, mm-hmm. scavenger is kind of an interesting thing in that it adds another le- level of gameplay yes. to to checking into locations. Uh, I first started using scavenger at CES 2011, so this past CES, mm-hmm. as of the recording of this podcast. And uh, you would go to a booth, and you would, you know, I went to a booth, and they had me sign up for scavenger, and they said, all right, now walk around the booth, and you're going to see different tasks that you need to complete in order to win points. Yeah. And then at the end of the day, uh, there's going to be a drawing for a prize, and the number of times you're entered into the prize will be dependent upon how many points you've earned. So yeah. the more points you earn, the more chances you have to win. And it was things like uh, find out how many uh, – uh, how far down this waterproof watch can go before uh, before it's no longer 
rated for that depth. Where's, Stuff like that. Where's John Cameron Swayze when you need him? Right. So you would have to go over to that part of the booth and find that device and learn. You might even have to talk to mm-hmm. uh, one of the one of the representatives there to get the information. Then you would have to go into the app and text that information in for it to be verified so that you would get those points. Or it might be get a picture of this one gadget uh, that's located somewhere in the booth and you would have to go through the booth and find it. Well, for those people, the people at the, these booths, every time you're going through and completing one of these tasks, now in your mind, you're thinking, I need more points. Mm-hmm. I, I need to get more points because then I can win. Uh, what they're thinking is by making you go to all these different sections of the booth, you are building more awareness of their brand and that you might not be very conscious about it, but that you're going to take home this uh, experience, and you're going to think, oh, yeah, 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 that, that laptop. I remember I saw it at such and such booth because I played that game. Mm-hmm. And for them, that's where it pays off. It's like marketing, right? It's a way to build awareness. And they didn't have to buy a commercial. All they did was put this stuff into an app, and they let you do all the work. Yeah. And because there's that reward system, because there's points involved and there's a competition, everybody really comes out a winner, because the the user gets the feeling of accomplishment as they build points, and the vendor gets the feeling of hey we've got a successful marketing campaign. It's mm-hmm. not like one of those things where you know you feel. I wouldn't think that as a user I would feel like I was quote unquote used, right? Yeah. Because mm-hmm. I got something else out of it. It wasn't just you know having to walk around. I was doing it voluntarily because it meant that I was earning points, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that's a lot of a. Uh, that's that's one side of gamification is really you know you've designed this this level of games to to reward people but also to keep them coming back to you but there's another level of gamification too there's a problem solving and uh learning side of gamification oh absolutely absolutely um the in fact there have been some projects that have been using gamification as a way to in in as an incentive for other people to participate. We've talked about, uh, crowdsourcing yep. some on the, on the show, um, where basically, look, I've got a lot of stuff to do. For example, the SETI at home project is, is an example we've used before where, um, scientists were collecting a mountain of information through radio telescopes and they just didn't have the computing power to process it all in a timely manner mm-hmm. to see if there was any kind of, discernible signal in all the noise they were getting from space. Right. Um, so they enlisted the help of many, many people. Uh, hey, look, we've got a little application that you can install on your computer. It will help us crunch the numbers that we're getting back from space. Yeah, it's going to run in the background. You don't have to do anything. Yeah. And, and it was a pretty cool screensaver as well. Yep. Um, so it looks like it's doing something really cool. And basically, you're, when you share the information back with them, it's it comes to them in a form that they can use and, and quickly scan to see if there's any value in it. Um, also, hey, a little bit of gamification before uh, gamification was a word, um, I think. Uh, they offered you the chance. They said, hey, look, if we find somebody out there... Uh, you know, you'll have some credit for that. Yeah. So you you do get a little something. You get a share in the prize. It's I guess it's not a prize. Well, but it I is mean, kind of a prize. You, know, you you essentially your name is associated with 
what could arguably be the yeah. the biggest scientific discovery since ever. Yeah. But they're doing that with all kinds of other projects now, too, yeah. where they offer you the opportunity to participate in the project and they'll give you a badge for getting a certain number of units turned in and, and uh, you know, other kinds of things like that. And there's talk of even turning using gamification in designing educational courses. So, Absolutely. you know, you create a game playing element in learning and you have created a new way to encourage students to learn. So. You know, one of the big challenges of, of being a teacher, and there are many, being a teacher is an incredibly challenging and so I'm, I'm sure many people would argue a very rewarding occupation. Uh, I certainly am very thankful that both of my parents are teachers because they, they taught me a lot as a, as, by extension. But, uh, yeah, there, there's this, this idea of throwing game elements into education and turning education into more of a game so that students are, are enthusiastic about learning. They're eager to learn because it means that they get points. They get to move ahead. It's, it's, it's kind of just taking the whole concept of grades and turning it into more of a, uh, a game. And you could, you know, we've been doing this, like I said, for decades. I mean, you know, when I was a kid and you did something really well, you'd get a gold star. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, that's, that's a level of gamification. It's a reward system that's kind of like a game. Like you did well on this test, you get a gold star. Um, it's just taking that and, and making it a little more sophisticated and a little more integrated into the educational system. Mm-hmm. And th- it's still very early days for that kind of, of, widespread use of gamification, but uh, there are a lot of people who are really interested to see if this will pay off in the long run. Um, and I actually have a, an interesting kind of example of this that I would like to talk about just for a second, if I might. Okay. Have you heard of a man named John Hunter? John Hunter. John Hunter is a teacher uh, in uh, in Virginia, mm-hmm. and he came up with a game that he calls the World Peace Game. Huh. And there's a, a documentary film about this. Uh, it's called World Peace Game and Other Fourth Grade Achievements, which is okay. a great title, right? So yeah, he has, he teaches fourth graders and he's a, he teaches gifted students. So it's a, it's a specific program here. The kids are given an interesting task. They, they have a, a, a map that has four layers to it. It's actually like, uh, uh, levels of, of plexiglass and plywood. Mm-hmm. All right. So you've got the top level is space. That, okay. that represents space. So it, it's where satellites are. It's where uh, spacecraft are. That's the the top level. The next level is airspace. So we're talking like clouds, weather patterns, planes, that sort of stuff. Okay. The base level is ground and sea level. That's where all your your land-based and water-based units are. Yeah. And the level below that is under the sea, so it's things like submarines and uh, 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 undersea oil drilling, that kind of stuff. And a crab and a little mermaid. And uh, there's this – the purpose of the game is that they, they have – I think it's four nations mm-hmm. that are not representative of any particular real-world yeah. counterparts. They're faux nations. Yes, yeah, faux nations. And the students even get to to name the nations that they belong to. Cool. Each nation, uh, the the teacher comes up to students that he thinks would be particularly well suited for the role, and approaches them and set, offers them the chance to become prime minister of one of those nations. The prime minister, in turn, gets to appoint from the class uh, different cabinet level positions, mm-hmm. and 
these fourth graders end up taking over these nations that all have various economic powers, military powers. Uh, they have various complicated relationships with one another. Um, there's uh, a whole element of of competition for resources. Uh, there are differing political ideologies. And the goal of the class is to go through this program and by the end of the program achieve world peace while dealing with all the other issues that nations in the world have to deal with. So there could be, uh, he has, a, I think it's, I think it's a 13 page, uh, document that has all these different elements to it, all of which are, are somewhat interconnected. So if something changes on one, it's going to change everything else too. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, so things like there may be, uh, various crises like ethnic, uh, disputes between different groups. Uh, there may be, um, a resource shortage. There may be environmental disasters. Uh, there may be, um, uh, like, a massive storm takes out resources in one part of the world. And the students have to keep working together to work through these problems in order to achieve world peace. Well, this is gamification of a, of lots of different issues. Things like every, he tackles stuff like, uh, global warming, you know, political science, um, uh, environmental concerns. I mean, there's all these different elements that go into this game. And the, the amazing thing is that uh, I think he, I think his classes have a perfect record of reaching world peace by the end of the program. Hmm. And he's been doing this since I think 1977. So, uh, that's a pretty phenomenal, uh, lesson there. And he, and he actually says, uh, he has a talk, uh, TED talk that you, I would recommend looking this up. Okay. The TED talk and there's also the, the documentary film as well. Both of them are, are great. I do recommend them. Mm-hmm. Um, but he he talks about how at the very beginning of the project, he admits to the students, I don't have the answers. Yeah. I don't know how to fix the world. That's what you have to do. And here's the game. No pressure. Yeah. But that's the thing is that it gets these kids thinking because it's in a game format. Uh, it gets these kids thinking in a way of how do I solve this this obstacle? How do I how do I get around this obstacle to achieve my goal. And then the hope, of course, is that they'll carry that experience with them to actually apply the lessons they learned in that that game mm-hmm. in real life. Yeah. Which is again pretty phenomenal. We should see if we could get an interview with Ian Bogost. Yeah. From Georgia Tech, the Georgia Institute of Technology, who uh-huh. uh uh also has a um I don't know if you'd call it a company, but he also has a book called Persuasive Games and the website mm-hmm. uh based on it. And the idea he he has a number of games that look at social and political a- topics. Uh-huh. Um basically how you can generate a discourse around or discussion around these topics mm-hmm. through using games and how you can investigate that. That's sort of a side topic to gamification because I mean it's it is gamification, but it's kind of not. Yeah. Um, also, Budget Hero on Marketplace, mm-hmm. uh, the uh, public radio program, mm-hmm. uh, Marketplace.org. You can find the Budget Hero game. I think I posted it to our Facebook page a long, long, long time ago. Uh, but yeah, basically, it's a a way to balance the budget. Or um, actually, uh, I don't know if you had these, but when I was uh, in junior high school, we had the uh, stock market game. Yeah. Where they were trying to teach us about economics. Right. But what they would do is say, okay, we're going to, as a class, everybody gets 250,000 
fake dollars to invest in the stock market. Now, you guys have to go look at the market and based on what you know of these companies, make some fake investments. And by the end of this, we'll see who has the most money and who has the least. Yeah, I actually won that. I actually failed miserably. I won it. And I got to tell you, my team used the throw a dart at it strategy. Uh. I mean, that's, that's, it works for people in real life too. See, that's the sad thing is that that was a case where gamification did not teach me anything. Yeah. But there are different levels of gamification. Yeah, you yeah, can, sure, sure. And you can, and you can use it in your daily life too. Um, I was, fran- while, while Jonathan was talking a minute ago, I was frantically Four looking. Or is lava. <laughs> um, I prefer molten peanut butter. Right, um, fair enough. The, uh, um, iPhone and uh-huh. iPod app, um, Epic Win. Mm-hmm. Have you heard of this? No. It's a, uh, it's a really cool little app. Um, and it's, uh, it's not free. I think it's, uh, $2.99 in the app store as of right now when I happen to be looking at it. I learned about it a, a few months ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a to-do list. And so you write down the stuff you have to do and they give you little badges and things when you actually check stuff off your list and you level up after a certain amount of time and there are new characters and things. So it's, um, uh, it's, it's gotten mixed reviews. I would say mostly positive. Yeah. I've heard people talking about it in a, in a kind of cool way. And, um, there are other forms of gamification too for companies now when they're trying to encourage, uh, human resources people to sign everybody at your company up. And, uh, it allows people to give other people a pat on the back in a yeah. game, in the game, say, Hey, you want a badge? Cause you really turned that job around for me really quickly. And I appreciate it. And you know, thing. there, there are elements of gamification that have been in, in the workplace for a while too. Like, um, like whenever you have those team building retreats, that's mm-hmm. kind of a gamification thing because again, you're, you're, you're doing the team building so that you can, in theory, at any rate, apply those team building skills. You, you, uh, you learn on these retreats to actual, work in the office. Mm-hmm. But in the case of the retreats, it's to build a team to do things like get across a, a, an obstacle course, you know, that kind of stuff. Or, you know, everyone is linked together by this one rope and you have to find how to get free of the rope in the smallest number, the fewest number of moves possible, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And it's all problem solving skills and teamwork that are part of it. But, uh, you know, the, the goal isn't just to have a good time and, and, you know, to get across an obstacle course. The goal is to build the skills that you're going to need to, to successfully work your way in that office. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that kind of gamification has been around for, for ages and ages. And it's just now we're getting to a point where it, the, the layer is more, uh, obvious. It's, it's more incorporated directly into whatever it is we're doing. And we're going to see lots of this, I think, for at least a year. Um, and if it proves like to, to truly be, uh, a success, we're going to see it from here on out. Uh, if people get bored of it, then we'll move on to the next thing. So there, I've seen people criticize gamification to say that, well, one, it's been around forever and two, it's a fad, um, or a buzzword, but, uh, we'll see. Well, it is, it is a buzzword. It's certainly something that people have been studying as what it is, sort of a, hey, would you look at that? Yeah. Um, and how can I make use of this in training or education or 
you know, getting my employees to feel better about themselves or getting more customers in the door. Yeah. Um, you know, we have, I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention, uh, one of my favorite howstuffworks.com authors, Stephanie Crawford, who has an article on the site, how gamification works. I highly recommend it. It's an excellent article. And she mentions people who have been influential in, in sort of creating, uh, you know, establishing themselves as experts in the field like Jane McGonigal. Yeah, she gave a keynote presentation at South by Southwest, which I hear was amazing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, um, oh, I'm just trying to find the other person's name. There are several other people who have been really, uh, oh, it was Gabe Zickerman. Okay. Who, uh, who was, I've seen, uh, there's a couple pieces on O'Reilly, the, the mm-hmm. uh, tech publisher, um, where you can, uh, there's, a, I think, a webcast and some other things that you can go check out if you're interested in it. Um, but, you know, they're, they're really sort of studying this now and, and finding ways that people can incorporate it. So I, I'm, I'm inclined to say, I mean, if it makes the stuff that we do every day a little less boring um, and makes people more likely to be engaged. I don't, I don't see it going away anytime soon. I certainly think that it's, uh, it certainly works on me every time yeah. I, uh, you know, get stuck in some Zynga thing where I have to plant something and be back in 20 minutes. Uh, otherwise it, it fails miserably. I go, I am such a sucker. Well, and I mean, I'm still using Foursquare. Uh, that was one of those, my- you know, when I first started using Twitter, I've said this, told this story several times yeah. in the podcast too. When I first started using Twitter, I used it for about a month and then I stopped. Yeah. And then about three or four months later, I picked it up again and then I've been using it ever since. Uh, Foursquare, there was a good chance that I was going to, I, I installed it. I used it for a couple of weeks, thought it was kind of interesting and then just sort of forgot about it. And it wasn't until I think I, I managed to become mayor of a local, uh, theater in Atlanta, stage theater. And that's when, uh, I, the bug bit me. See? And, uh, it also helps that, uh, actors are by their nature very competitive. And so I and my fellow actors, I, I do acting occasionally, but I and my fellow actors now try to become the mayor of various, uh, uh stages around town. And by the way, this runs the family. My sister is the mayor of a local theater in Atlanta too. <laughs> Cause when oh, I got God. there to check in, I said, Oh, She's she's the mayor, and I I got a little upset actually because the it was one of those places that had a special uh-huh. where you could get a discount off your tickets. Well, she was performing in the show. <laughs> she wasn't buying tickets. She couldn't even take advantage of the offer. She yeah. was in the. Sh- that's why she had become the mayor because she had been there for all the rehearsals and the performances. Yeah, exactly. I love you, sis. Yeah, I you know, I have to say that all the time. Like, <laughs> I love my wife and I love my sister. The women in my wa- life are wonderful. I'm uh, I'm very happy with them. Okay, please then. don't beat me up. <laughs> don't make a game of it. But yeah, it's uh, it, I think it's definitely something that's that's going to be around a while, and I'm interested to see uh, where it goes next. Yeah, despite the fact that I fall for it, find myself falling for it, know what's going on, and I'm angry at myself, and still do it anyway. Yeah. Well, let's wrap this discussion up. Gamification is a pretty cool trend. If you have other trends you would like us to talk about, uh, particularly ones that are related to, to technology, that's that is what we do. Let us know. You can tell us on Facebook and Twitter. Our handle there is Tech Stuff HSW. Or you can send us an email. That address is techstuff at howstuffworks.com. And Chris and I will talk to you again really soon. Be sure to check out our new video podcast, Stuff from the Future. Join HowStuffWorks staff as we explore the most promising and perplexing possibilities of tomorrow.
The HowStuffWorks iPhone app has arrived. Download it today on iTunes. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Running a business is no cakewalk, but with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. You can manage travel, expenses, and AP all on one platform that's packed with AI and best practices and that delivers it all through an easy, clear, I can't believe how simple that is experience. So while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, with SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot com. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello! Acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.